Episode number 79. A person should reflect and say, Who am I that heaven and earth were created for me? Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. In this week, we have the Parsha, Vayetze, extending the spiritual ladder, our connection to the creation. We're going to have a powerful parable about letting it burn, a great story about Rav Shach, and peace in your home, renewing your marriage. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So the Parsha starts like this, And Yaakov departed from Beersheb and went to Haran. He encountered the place and spent the night there, because the sun had set. He took from the stone to the place, and he put them around his head, and he laid down in that place. And he dreamt, and behold, a ladder was set earthward, and its top reached the heaven. Angels of God ascended and descended on it. Hashem was standing over him, and he said, I am Hashem, God of Abraham your father, and God of Yitzchak, the ground upon which you are lying. To you I will give it, and to your descendants. Your offspring shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall burst forth westward, eastward, northward, and southward. And all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you and by your offspring. Behold, I am with you, and I will guard you wherever you go, and I will return you to this soil, for I will not forsake you until I will have done all that I have spoken for you. So there are many different explanations as to what was going on with this dream that Yaakov had. What was the message that Yaakov and all the Jewish people for all the generations were supposed to get from the symbolism of this ladder? So the Malbim asks, Why did Yaakov envision the angels first going up and only after coming down? You would think that the angels came down first and then would go up. So he brings down the Perkiyavos, it says, that every time a person does a mitzvah, he creates an angel. In other words, if you do a mitzvah, you're going to create a spiritual force that's going to help you. And what happens with that spiritual force? It goes upwards towards heaven. The ascending angels, by their very essence, trigger a cascade of blessing. In other words, by us doing the mitzvahs, we're sending angels up, which causes angels to come down. And that's the message that Hashem gave to Yaakov. The angels that are going up are the ones that he created. And the angels are coming down to the providence from above. And the Malbim brings the Midrash that says that the ladder had four rungs on it. So what are these four rungs? The four levels of reality. Domim, which means inert matter, plant life, animals, and human beings. And through Yaakov's actions, he brought down the energies through all the four worlds. And the Midrash says that the angels were not going up and down on it, which is the ladder itself. It says upon him, which the Malbim understands that Yaakov himself was the ladder. Through Yaakov's deeds, divine energy flows up and down on him. And Hashem is promising him that he's going to protect them on every level. Now the Rabbeinu Bachir brings another Midrash that says that this was like Sinai, that Yaakov Avino had a vision of what it was going to be like at Har Sinai when the Jewish people received the Torah. And he brings a proof that the same numerical value of ladder, Samik Lamed Mem, is the same as Sinai. 
So in other words, it was like at the top of the ladder was the giving of the Torah, and at the bottom of the ladder was the Jewish people, which was represented by Yaakov. But he also brings an explanation similar to what we just said, that it has to do with the levels of the universe. Man is at the bottom of the universe, and above man is all the planets and the solar system, and above the solar system are all the angels and the heavenly hosts. So Yaakov had a vision of how God runs the world. He gives over to the heavenly host, and the heavenly hosts give over to the planetary system, like astrology, and from there it goes down into the physical world. And he brings the Rambam, who also explains like that, who explains the entire system is called the Merkava, the entourage of God. On this ladder, anyone who wants to is free to ascend or descend. In other words, we can reach the heavens. So the Rambam explains that the planetary system is composed of four basic raw elements, which actually make up the earth. And then you have the moon affecting the waters and the tides. The sun affects the fire and the heat on this earth. The five other stars affect the earth itself. Those are the fixed stars. And the moving stars affect the wind. And this is the way that God runs our world. And he also brings a Kabbalistic approach which says that Yaakov viewed himself in the dream as the carrier of the Shekhinah. In other words, God's presence from the highest place was on Yaakov. God extended his presence into this world through Yaakov. He says the patriarchs were the true Merkava, the chariots of the Shekhinah, of God's presence in this world. They performed a task on earth which the angels perform in the celestial spheres. Man does on earth what the angels do in heaven. So man, which is represented by Yaakov, has the ability to bring godliness into this world. But we see from this that all the heavenly hosts is all created from man. Yaakov saw the entire universe from the very top to the bottom is all from man. That was the ladder that led to him. So the Ramchal explains that every human being is subjugated to this system of astrology. Except, except, he brings the Chazal, it says, Ein Mazel Yisrael. There is no constellation for Yisrael. The power of God's decrees and influence is stronger than that of the stars. So even though there's a true system, and that's the way it works, but Yisrael is above the entire system. We know, Ein Mazel Yisrael. We're not limited by astrology. And that's why he says that astrologers can see certain things, but they can't see everything. Because at the end of the day, God's in control. And the Orachim explains like this. He says, you got to hear this. The latter is the mystical aspect of the human soul. Something that is not entirely uprooted from the body at the time of his sleep. In other words, part of the soul remains in the body. And the other part of the soul goes up to the heaven. That's what was happening with Yaakov. Because a sleeping person is not detached from either heaven or earth, but remains in contact with both. During his sleep, the evil urge is not able to act as a barrier between man and God. In other words, when you're sleeping, you're able to see divine things, which you normally can't see because of the eight Sahara, the evil inclination that you have while you're awake. The good deeds which man attempts to perform in this world enable his soul to receive the light, divine light. And Al-Pikabala is called feminine waters. In other words, the waters from below stimulate the waters from above. When these advocates rise heavenward, they turn to activate the masculine waters to descend. 
just like there's an interaction in the heavens with the water above, physical water, and those below on earth, without it, nature can't function and produce vegetation. There's also a parallel process in a spiritual nature, the give and take between heaven and earth. And he says that if a person works in himself, I mean, we're not on a level, but he could get prophecy. Jacob's experience during that night made every Jew in the future a potential vehicle for prophecy and divine revelation, he says. And he says, the Rambam also says this in Hilkosh Tshuva. He says, in principle, not a single Yisrael is unable to become a vessel for prophecy. So we see that this dream was a representation of the relationship between man and God and how the system works. But Rav Shimshar Farah adds a beautiful Kiddush on this. you got to hear this. He says, Yaakov goes forth in order to establish a Jewish home. And he was the first one to give expression to the idea that God is to be sought within the home. The sphere in which man blossoms and thrives, the place to which he brings all that he acquires, and in which he acts and builds his life, that sphere is the greatest and nearest place for the revelation of God. <laughs> Here is Yaakov, he's sleeping on the ground. And there is the revelation of God. And he brings the Breshis Rabbi that says, the Iker Shechina Batachtonim. Unbelievable. The principal place of God's Shechina, of his presence, is on the earth. The angels laugh at those who raise their eyes towards heaven, imagining they have to see God above. In other words, God is more on the earth than he is in heaven. And this is what Yaakov saw when he was going out to establish the Jewish people, to create a house, a Bayat Neman, a faithful house of 12 tribes, are going to come from Yaakov. And the message was, the Shekhinah is here. God's presence is here on earth. And Ramosha Feinstein takes it one step further. He brings one of the verses that we read. It said, Yaakov awoke from his sleep and said, Surely Hashem is in this place, and I did not know. And Rashi explains there, Had I known, I wouldn't have slept in such a holy place as this. So he asked Akasha, What do you mean, how do you know? Hashem was obviously pushing him to sleep there. Hashem made the sun go down early. He made Kavitza Zaderet, the Yaakov got to the spot in a minute. So obviously he put him in that place to sleep. So what does it mean Yaakov said, I didn't know? So he wants to explain Yaakov didn't know that even sleeping could be spiritual. We know for 14 years Yaakov didn't sleep in a bed. This was the first time that he lied down to sleep. He was learning in the yeshiva for 14 years. He only slept when he put his head down while he was sitting. And here he lied down to sleep. He didn't know that even the physical can be spiritual. Even the mundane could be spiritual. Not only it is that God's presence is more in this world than it is anywhere else in the universe, but even mundane things can be spiritual, like eating and drinking and sleeping. As long as Yaakov was connected with Hashem, even sleeping is spiritual. Rav Moshe finds he says, Yaakov said that the stone should be called Beis Elikim, that's what the Pasuk says. It was Yaakov's wish that they serve as a reminder that not only a place where a person does Torah mitzvahs is the Shekhinah, God's presence, but even sleeping or eating and doing things with the right intention, that also brings the Shekhinah into the world. So these are unbelievable ideas. God is here in the physical world, 
And even our mundane things that we do, sleeping and eating, can be holy. This is the novel idea of the Jewish people, of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov saw that the Shekhinah, God's presence, is here in this world. And that was the vision that he received. So Rav Hirsch wants to add that Yaakov learned three truths from this vision. The first one was that everything on earth is summoned and destined to rise and to ascend to a lofty heavenly set goal. Our whole purpose is that we should do mitzvahs to bring things up. The second truth, he says, is that man's fate is not decided on earth in the physical world. He sees that God's messengers ascend the ladder and look at the ideal image of man and what he should be. And then they descend and compare the ideal man to the image of who he actually is. By this standard, they deal with him for good or for bad. This is an unbelievable chiddush. We know there's a midrash that says that when ya- that Yaakov had to be protected because the angels got jealous of Yaakov. So what happened? We know on the Kisei covered the throne of God, in one direction is Yaakov's image written there. So what happened? The angels saw the connection. Here is a ladder that goes from God's throne where Yaakov's image is in perfection goes down to Yaakov, to who Yaakov is now. And from there, a person gets judged, and that's why Yaakov was in danger, and Hashem had to protect him. In other words, every human being has a potential of who he could be. And that's in the Shemaim in the heaven. And on earth, you are who you are now. That's what creates Midas Adin. That's how a person's judged. So even when you do your mitzvahs, and the mitzvahs go up to heaven, the effect that they're going to have on the way down is based on who you could be. Of course, it's going to help because you just did a mitzvah. But there's judgment. This is what the Midrash says. They ascended and looked at the image above. And then they descended and looked at the image below. On above, they see Yaakov's image engraved on the Kisar Kavo. And below, they see him sleeping. What's he doing? Okay, it's a little bit in contradiction to what Moshe Feinstein learned which is that even sleeping could be a holding thing. But still, there's another aspect. There's who you could be potential and who you are now. And the third thing we learn is from the end of the Pasuk, it says, and God stood beside him, that even though man has not reached his potential, Hashem is going to stick with us. He's going to protect us. And that even though there should be strict justice because we're not reaching our potential, still God's with us. In revolt, we learn another Kiddush from this whole story. We know that Yaakov passed Harmarayan and he came back. And when he came back, Hashem shortened the earth. He shortened the trip. Did a miracle. So he brings the Rashi who asks, wait a second. If Hashem wanted him to sleep there, so why didn't he stop him on the way? Why let him pass by? So Rashi answers, what if Yaakov doesn't feel to pray? Is the heavens going to stop him? In other words, if you don't want, forget about it. You're not going to have siyat nishmai. You're not going to have help from heaven. On the other hand, we learn just the opposite. If you do, what happened in the end? Yaakov realized his mistake. And then Hashem helped him with kafitza zadarech. He shortened the entire earth. That he should get there before nightfall. So therefore, we learn that if a person really does want to improve, Hashem will help him. If a person doesn't care, so Hashem will let you go your way. That's what Rashi said. 
But if a person really wants, Hashem will do a miracle for him. So Ravobi says like this, By observing where a person stands spiritually at the end of his life, we can determine what his true desires were. That's scary. If someone has the will to grow and accomplish, he will be helped to bring those desires to fruition. And the opposite is also true. Like it says, the door is open for anyone who wants to defile himself. A person should not think that if everything's going smoothly for him, it means that Hashem obviously approves the path he chooses. Hashem allows every person to travel the road of his desires. In the way that a man wants to go, Hashem helps him to go. Hashem even helps thieves. That's right. Angels help thieves to steal. Why? Because they want to steal. So if they want to steal, they create angels. And when you create angels, what the Marshall says, you create angels by your desires. So those angels help you. It doesn't matter if it's a mitzvah or it's a vera. So the same principle also works in the negative. You can create negative angels, God forbid, and they're going to have their hashpa, their influence on you and the way your life is going to go. Or also you can have somebody who plays in the middle. He doesn't want to go up too high and he doesn't want to go down too low. So what does the Rabbi Victor Miller say about that? He says, but like ascending a ladder, a Jew must be always dissatisfied to remain in the middle and he should constantly aspire to reach the top. Who stays in the middle of a ladder? There's a lot of deep concepts here. We have to think here about the bigger picture. Here you have all the heavens, the planets, the stars, hundreds of thousands of light years of universe. What is it there for? It's there for us. And you got to hear what the Orch HaSadikim says about this. He says, And everyone can understand for himself. Since the higher world, the sun, the moon, and the star, serves the lower, certainly it can't be for the enjoyment of the body. For what is the body? The body turns to dust. The worms eat it. Where the sun and the moon and the stars are pure and clear, how could it be then that such great things serve such low things? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but he says, but the neshama, haha, the soul of a person, which is clear and pure and exalted to the heights of the heaven, even above them, because the soul of a person goes above the heavens, all the way to the kisei kavod, all the way close to Hashem, to the highest levels, the neshama of a person. So it must be that all these planets are coming to serve as neshama, because something higher doesn't serve something lower, the planets are lower than your neshama. The planets are serving our neshama, our soul. So he says like this, a person should reflect and say, who am I that heaven and earth were created for me? It must be that I was created to serve God. It can only be so that I subject myself to the Holy One, blessed be He, to discern His wonders and exalt and praise Him. And if not for the Torah, which man obeys in order to purify and refine his soul, what need would there be for the world? Does it stand to reason that the world is created for the pleasures of the dark, lowly body? The body is insubstantial. So we learn from this week's Parsha to open our minds. We're small people on a small planet, on a dot in the universe. That's on one side. That's the bottom of the ladder. 
and the top of the ladder reaches all the way up to the heavens. And all the heavens and all of its hosts are serving man here on this small planet. But not only that, we have the power to influence our mitzvahs, our striving to purify ourselves, creates spiritual forces which go up to the heavens and affect the heavens. And then the heavens bring down all the blessings, all the light, all the goodness into this world. And we're judged by our potential. The closer we come to our potential, the more light and energy we're going to bring into the world. <laughs> this whole process is not in the heavens. It's on the earth. Sleeping and eating with the right intentions can bring tremendous spiritual bracha, blessings into the world. And the essence is, like the Rev. Hur says, it's the Jewish home. In your own home. What is the base of Migdash? It's the place of the base of Migdash, the Bayat, Bayat Naman. The holy home, Avram Avinu and Sarah, and Yaakov and the 12 tribes. The Jewish house in this mundane, what appears to be physical, mundane, lowly, simple house. The Shekhinah, God's presence can be here. To the point that the angels laugh at people who look towards the heavens for God when God is right in the house. And a person should say, who am I? What do you mean who you are? You're one of the sons of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is reading on the Kisah Kavod. Man. The whole purpose of creation was for man. All the heavens. And this is what Yaakov saw in his dream. And it was taught for all the future generations to learn, to take responsibility for our lives, to reach our potential. Here is a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. So the Magi Madur brings the verse that says, Yaakov left Beersheba and went towards Haran. So we know that when Yaakov left, Eliphaz caught up with him, the son of Esav. And Esav commanded that he should kill Yaakov, but he couldn't do it because he grew up in the lap of Yitzchak. Yitzchak was his grandfather. So Yaakov says to him, listen, take all my money, and we know, Anikames, a person who has nothing is like a dead person, like he kills me. So he said, the Midrash says at that point, Yaakov began to recite Shira Malos. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Why? Because when Eliezer went to bring Rivka to my father, he came with ten camels. I don't even have a nose ring or a bracelet. I have nothing. So the Magi Maduba wants to explain this with a parable. One time there was a wealthy man who had only son. And the, the boy wanted to go into business. So the father gave him a lot of money and he told him to go open his store. So he went to go open the store. But since he was a spoiled kid and he was a gentle soul, people took advantage of him and the store began to fail. So when the son saw that things were falling apart, he ran to his father for help. So his father says, what are you coming to me? The store's still open. Just work harder. Come to me when there's nothing left. So what happened sometimes later? A fire broke out in the town. Everybody's trying to put out the fire and somebody comes up to him and says, listen, you better get over there. Your store is going to get burnt down. 
Come try to save it. So the son said, nah, let it burn. This way I'll be left with nothing and I'll be able to ask my father for help. So too Yaakov, Hashem made sure that everything was taken away from him so that Yaakov would pray to him. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So the verse said, He is well, and here comes his daughter, Rachel with the sheep. So we know there's a principle that a wise person, if he's asked something that he doesn't have the answer to, he says, I don't know. He admits he doesn't know. So the Bartanur learns it from this verse. He says, The people of Haran, when questioned about love in this situation, answered, He is well. That's all we know. If you want any more information, here comes his daughter with the sheep. So Roshach exemplified this quality. Many times people would ask him, he says, I don't know, come back tomorrow and ask me. And what would he do that evening, that afternoon? He would go to experts he would ask. He admitted he didn't know and he would try to find out the information. And it was known that many people, late at night they'd receive a telephone call. And he'd say, listen, I have an answer for you now. Come by, I'll tell you the answer. And he didn't allow the night to go by without finding the answer. So one time an Avrech, a married yeshiva guy, was told about a shidduch for his son. But he came to Reb Shach and he says, listen, I heard about this shidduch, but there's no way for me to find out about this girl. I don't know about anybody in that town. I don't know who to ask, who to trust. So the Reb Shach says, right, come by tomorrow, we'll talk more about it. So the next day he came by and Rav Shach said, no, I checked it out, everything's fine. So the Avrek didn't understand. So Rav Shach says, listen, it's true, you don't know anybody there, but I know a certain Rav there. I, I traveled last night to the town and I found out about the girl. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Moshe Aaron explains that a problem in marriage could potentially be routine. Routine could kill a marriage. People have to feel in the marriage his chadshus, things that are new, things that are fresh, excitement and energy. And it brings a proof that when Aaron Cohen was disappointed because he didn't have a chance to bring the sacrifices at the inauguration of the Mishkan, so Hashem told him, by your life, yours is greater than theirs, because you will light a light and prepare our candles. So what did the Orchayim say on that? Why was Aaron's mitzvah greater? Because he got to do it every day. He got to light the menorah every day. They just did it once during the inauguration. He got a chance to mechadesh, to make things new. If a man feels he's starting his home anew each day, his behavior will be totally different. And he brings this story. One time there was a wealthy girl who wanted to marry a crippled man. So everybody's trying to convince her not to marry this guy. So they brought this girl to a Rav, and the Rav asked her, do you want to marry this man because of love, pity, or appreciation? So she said, pity and appreciation. So the Rav said, fine. Why? Because if it was motivated by love, it's going to wear off. But pity and appreciation are qualities that renew themselves each day, and they don't fizzle out. So too, you have to figure out ways to emotionally mechadesh your relationship with your spouse. If the couple accepts upon themselves to do Hashem's commandments and accept each day anew 
It will protect the sanctity of his home. Like the verse says, the Simcha will still be heard in the hills of Yehuda. So yes, what, these voices are going to be there forever? No, the couple has to renew them. You have to renew your Simcha, renew your happiness. But it's a hard task, he says. And it's a spiritual thing. Because the greater the person, the greater his ability to make chadesh, to make new things, to make life new, revitalized. And the answer of what the Chazalet says, whoever lives without a wife lives without Torah. What can we learn from that? Every day that one is married, he can marry to receive the Torah anew. Because every day, if you're not married, it's like you don't have Torah. So every day that you are married, it's like you have Torah. But this is only if he climbs higher each day and learns to appreciate anew the spiritual value of married life. But it's also connected with the word, like we said before, that the house is a holy place full of energy and light. And therefore, if we mechadesh, if we renew the vitality of our house, we'll have peace. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. And you know, by sharing this, you're really spreading Torah. So do the mitzvah and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.